So, Bill, by the way, if you're with the CMA, uh, we're just glad you're here. You're welcome and wanted. So we appreciate you guys being here. Uh, and uh, Bill was just saying that uh, through the local, that's a local CMA chapter, correct? The national. Well, what a cool thing. So, so the national chapter helped uh, Pradeep Lima and Arissa uh, get a couple motorcycles for those pastors there. So if you guys know, uh, some of you here may not know who we're talking about because I know we have a lot of new folks. But Pradeep Lima is a pastor that we've invested in in Arissa, which is uh, one of the. It's not a least reached area. It's an unre. There's many unreached peoples uh, that have never even heard the gospel there. So they have partnered with Pastor Pradeep, which is in essence partnering with us already uh, to get the gospel to uttermost. Plus, I know, I know, Bill, you've traveled to India. And he's uh, ministered with uh, Ganesh uh, in uh, Mumbai. And uh, did you get make it down to Arissa as well? So you got to get to Arissa. So praise the Lord for that. So, so we do already have that common bond. And, and uh, it's interesting that uh, uh, Butch uh, Page, when he pre- he came to me the day after Jim Boyette passed. Like I got the message that evening before and he came to me the next morning and said, hey, Brian, CMA wants to come to Heartland. And of course, I was a little bit like, at that moment, I was like, whatever. But because uh, uh, I was just focused on everything that was going on. But in God's providence, I was just telling Larry, that was God's good hand. I thought that's kind of cool because we've had a ministry and outreach, a monthly ride or whatever they would do in the summer to Pastor Jim. And now that he's gone, it's like God just stepped in to uh, confirm that we need to continue to reach out uh, to the culture. If, you, if you're not familiar with Cass County, this is a biking culture. And uh, I don't mean just bicycles. I mean, so historically. And so there's a lot of work that can be done. And so if you have a proclivity to do evangelism um, in this way, man, I would encourage you to get with uh, Larry, get with Bill, uh, go out to the front to the connections counter and, uh, and see Butch, who's here every week. And they'll get you connected and directed uh, and so uh, it's an exciting opportunity. So, guys, thank you for coming, and uh, appreciate you guys presenting this morning. And so it's near and dear to my heart. I also would add that uh, I've seen their work firsthand. Um, before I was even here in Cass County, I was telling Larry that as well earlier, that uh, when I would, uh, I used to preach Sundays at the mission uh, quite frequently for about a decade, and uh, once a year they would have this huge rally. And I mean literally hundreds I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not inflating the number like a preacher there. Uh, hundreds of bikers would come from all over the, the place, the metro, I presume, and uh, they would raise uh, sizable amounts of money for City Union Mission uh, every year. And so, so I've seen that uh, they're not just uh, uh, talking, but they're, they're walking, or in this case, they may be riding. So, uh, so anyway, so if you have your Bibles, we turn to the book of uh, 1 John. We're going to be in uh, our study, our series right now is to know God is to love God. That's our sermon series. We're walking through the book of 1 John. And uh, this morning, the title of this message is The Word and Our Walk. We talked about obstacles to our fellowship a couple weeks ago, but I know you slept since then. Last week, we were at the park. By the way, I want to mention, if you are joining us this morning for the first time, maybe you're watching us online. We're glad that you're with us. Uh, If you didn't like raise your hand, you're like, I do not like raising my hand. I don't want to tell everybody I'm here, but you still would like us to know you're here. We'd love to know that. You can also text HBF guest at what's the number? Ninety-four thousand. Ninety-four thousand. Uh, and so the number ninety-four thousand. Text HBF guest, and we will get you connected and directed. This is a little bit more anonymous uh, for those of you that don't like the attention. I get that. Uh, but as you're turning your Bibles, First John's in the back. So if you don't know where it's at, it's not the Epistle of John. It's not his. It's not the Gospel of John, the fourth book in the New Testament. It's all the way in the back, back up from Revelation, Jude. 3rd John, 2nd John, you'll get the 1st John. It's five chapters long. It's a small book. We've been studying this, this, uh, this uh, text. And uh, uh, before Church in the Park, we talked about how there are obstacles to our fellowship. This morning, I want to talk about the, the Word and our walk. And uh, I believe if you, if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one from the seat rack in front of you. I also, if you don't have a handout, if you want to take some notes, Brian and some of the ushers are walking around. Just kind of wave at him, raise your hand, say, I did not get one of those uh, note sheets for those of you that are note takers, and uh, we'll get you we'll get you connected there as well. <clears throat> and so Brian is uh, is over here handing those out. Just wave your hand around, wave your hand in the air like you just don't care. However that used to go, so <laughs> raise your hand in the air and wave it like you don't care. But uh, so we're in First John chapter two, and in First John chapter two, we're, we're, we're endeavoring to to look this morning really on at some of the things that we left off talking about in the first chapter. 
Uh, but before we unpack all that this morning and examine the word in our walk, most of us, uh, you know what, we take walking for granted. Uh, I know my son took walking for granted until recently. And so, uh, but there's things that come in life, right? And they impede our ability to walk. And, and when that happens, you know, I've had both. I had, uh, when I was in high school, I broke one ankle and I, and I uh, sprained one severely. And, uh, and it impeded my ability to walk. And I can remember laying in my bed, um, my leg, my ankle swollen, you know, unbelievably large. And, uh, and the next day we had, a, I think it was going to be my first either varsity match, my first official JV. I don't remember what it was. It was a big deal. It was my freshman year. And uh, I was all excited about wrestling the next day. And I'm laying in bed and I'm like, uh, Dad, it'll be okay. I'm just going to tape it up tomorrow and we'll go. <laughs> and my dad's like, look, I remember him just looking at me going, okay, son. And uh, and so, of course, you know what? I couldn't even stand on that thing. I had to get a cast. It was severely torn up, and uh, it kind of ruined my freshman wrestling season. Uh, and all of a sudden, I realized, man, I took walking for granted. Um, and uh, when something happens to us, you know, we, we, we often uh, appreciate walking a lot more when we can't do it anymore. And, you know, when we were children, you can remember. No, you can't remember. You can't remember. How many can remember learning to walk? I don't remember that. But... Uh, you know, maybe it was so traumatic, we can't remember. I don't know. I need some PTSD counseling. Because when you're learning to walk, you know, what happens is, is uh, you fall, right? We all know that. These little kids are made. They got those little puffy knees and uh, those little soft bones. Why? Because as they're, as they're trying to, to build the strength and do all of it, they're not going to, I mean, we would love it if they just hopped up and walked. But the reality is even learning to walk, what's going to happen? You're going you're gonna to fall. You're going to fall. And so we, we do that little cutesy talk, right? And we say, oh, come here. And we, we hold our arms out and we grab their little hands. And we do all that stuff because, well, they need help walking. And we know that they're going to fall, right? We just hope they don't fall near the corner of the table and, you know, all that other stuff. So we know that walking, just even learning to walk, is somewhat dangerous. And in our text this morning, uh, we're going to build on that, that premise because learning to walk requires balance and strength and even re- it requires resolve. What if a baby, you know, the child doesn't quit after the first time, do they? They try to walk and they fall, you know, fold up. And we keep working at it, we keep working at it. And even the process is part of gaining strength, building those muscles, muscle memory, figuring out how to balance and all that other stuff, getting the brain connected to all the, the body parts. Well, spiritually, it's not much different. Uh, learning to walk in Christ. There's a lot of people that have been saved for many, many years, but in reality, they're still toddling, and they're still trying to learn how to walk. And so the aged John, the apostle, he's a, he's a man of, of great wisdom, and he's now he's a, one of the last apostles left. Uh, Paul's already gone. He writes this epistle, uh, and he's, he's encouraging the church on how to walk, right? How to have fellowship with Christ, yes, but particularly in this section, how to walk, how to walk. And so in the, the first chapter, we saw in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7, This is what he said in the first chapter. This then is the message, right? He boils it down to this. Which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Amen and amen. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. So isn't it interesting that once we learn how to walk, what does that bring? Well, it brings a certain amount of freedom, doesn't it? It brings choices. It, when you're a little child, it helps you figure out how to get to the cookie jar or how to do the, you know, it, you start to decide, I can go places. I'm mobile. Walking becomes very helpful. And then running, right? And you know, if you've read the book of Proverbs, God's all about teaching us, hey, look, there's a right way to walk. There's a wrong way to walk. There's a wrong path to take, and there's a right path to take. It, be, it in, implies there's decisions to make. We either walk in the light or we walk in darkness. Uh, God gives us the ability to, to choose because God is a God of love. And so if we're born again this morning, if you're saved this morning, you cannot lose your salvation, but you can lose your joy. When you make wrong decisions, when I make wrong decisions, that joy starts to evaporate. And our fellowship with the Father, we see that in 1 John 1, 4, by the way, and our fellowship with the Father can be affected, which we see in 1 John 1, 7. And we've already covered that. But all this ties into our willingness to walk in the light 
as he is in the light, which affects our fellowship, doesn't it? When we choose not to walk where God has asked us to walk, where God has commanded us to walk, well, it affects our fellowship. You'll remember that God used to walk in the, in the cool of the day with Adam, and once sin entered in, what happened? God came to walk, and nobody was there. He's, well, Adam made a wrong decision. It affected his fellowship. It doesn't matter who you are, right? Uh, you are never too old. I'm never too old to trip and stumble, right? A man that thinks he stands needs to take heed, what, lest he fall, right? So none of us are ever beyond, the, oh, I'll never fall. I've actually had someone tell me that. A pastor told me that. As he, one time a pastor told me, he said, he told me about a pastor who fell, which I was like, oh, that's terrible. And then I said to the pastor, I said, man, but by the grace of God, you know, uh, consider ourselves lest we also be tempted, literally is what I quoted, Galatians chapter 6. And he looked at me and said, well, that isn't going to happen to me. Yeah. So it wasn't very many months, and it was happening to him. And so... So we got to be careful. There's one thing I've learned that, man, you're never too old to fall. So, so it's within, and you notice when you get older, sometimes the damage can be worse. And so it's with Christians the same that we got to be careful. When you're young, you're figuring things out. God is gracious; He gives you help along the way, and He's He's gracious in His mercy. However, as we grow and mature, stumbling and falling has consequences upon the the body, doesn't it? You know, when you're little, you can absorb all those. You're just like a little shock absorber, man. You could just poop, and you're just, I, I've seen kids fall down, you know, flights of stairs. They get done, and they're like, hey, Daddy, what's up, you know? and uh, You know, but the older you get, it affects your body, doesn't it? It hurts to the point that when you get older, you got to be careful from falling because a hip injury will, can put you in the nursing home. The nursing home could give you pneumonia. Next thing you know, you could be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Well, you know what? The more mature we get, that's not supposed to be funny. I don't know <laughs> if that's funny. We've got to have a talk, I'm telling you. <laughs> I, I don't know about that. <laughs> Susan was visualizing me falling down the steps and breaking my hip. I see where you're at. This is just the introduction. We haven't had, even had fun yet. So, so uh, but when we get older, right, the, the, it does, it hurts to fall. And uh, I tell you what, that's really also a picture for us in, in Christianity. As we grow and mature in the Lord and we know how we ought to walk, right, in the light and not in darkness, when we choose not to walk in the light, what happens is when our, we fall, it affects the body more, right? Because, well, we're more mature. We carry more weight. We have more responsibility because to whom much is given, much is required. And so walking in the light isn't just for children, right? It's for all of us this morning. So let's look at our text. And I know uh, you've kind of been settled in but and you got papers, but I'd, I'd, I'd just ask if we could stand and read God's word. I, I won't take long. Uh, I'm sorry to have, force you to shift your notes a little, but if you would bear with me, we're going to stand in honor of God's word. Read a short bit of First. John chapter 2, and then we'll break this out. My little children, these, <clears throat> these things write I unto you, 1 John 2, 1, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments, he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. Heavenly Father, thank you for this passage. Thank you for this uh, morning already. We've heard a lot of great things about evangelism. We're excited about the opportunity to share the gospel any way and every way that we can. Or you've given us the mission here to equip the saints of God, the word of God, to accomplish the mission of God and the power of God for the glory of God. And we pray, God, that you would grant that now as we feed on the word of God. I pray, God, you'd quicken our desire to go, to go teach VBS, to go and help Christian Motorcycle Association, to go and 
and uh, reach the uttermost parts of the world. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We ask a blessing to the reading and the hearing of your word. Teach us to walk today in the light. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated, get reoriented, and settle in. So, again, we're talking about the word and our walk. So, uh, the first thing that you'll see here in your notes is walk in the light of the, of the word. Now, that's not a heavy, heavy thing. to You probably could have figured that out uh, without me even saying it. Walk in the light of the word. The key word here is advocate. We're going to see that. We read that in verse 2. Let me break that out for you. When it comes to walking in the light of the word... Right, we understand that that children need help walking. We've already we've already talked about that. Children need help walking. They need a they need a father to help them follow the father. Now, uh, John is very careful here. He says at the end of verse one, uh, we have an advocate with uh, the father. Right, he's not talking about a, a Roman Catholic priest. He's not talking about um, uh, your daddy. He's talking about the father, the father in heaven. Uh, the third part of the Godhead, right? The Father, the authority. He says, you know what? You need some help. Uh, they needed, they needed the, the Father figure in John to help them remember what it was to walk with the Father. You know, when you see children walking, it's usually their moms and their dads. that are They're the ones holding their arms out, doing the little finger tugs and doing all that stuff and helping them when they fall and, and, uh, and taking pictures and all that too along the way with their phones. And so uh, that's what fathers and moms do. The parents help the children walk. And he says, my little children, my little children. This refers to those who are young in the faith. Later in this chapter, he'll address young men in verse 14 and then fathers in verse 14. But here he says little children, and it refers to those that are in this room that are babes in Christ. If you've uh, not been nurtured or discipled in the word of God, you're a babe in Christ. You're a young child in Christ. Unlike physical uh, growth, children in in the Lord don't just grow because of time. They grow because they're fed they're watered, they're plugged into the body of Christ, and they are disciples of Christ, right? Those that don't do that, you can be born again and be a baby for 30 years. Your knowledge doesn't grow, your legs don't gain any strength, your walk doesn't really go anywhere. Why? Because you're static. You're not really growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll talk about that more as we go on. It's so important that we disciple, right? The mission of the church is to make disciples. I like what Larry said. We'll take as many people that get saved as you want to give us because the job of the church, we say our mission is to equip the saints of God in the word of God. What we're really saying is that we are here to make disciples. When Jesus said, go you therefore and teach all nations, he meant make disciples. That's what the word teach there means. Make disciples of all nations. So we take that very literally. That's why we partner with people like Pradeep Lima and you saw Stetson Plank last week and and, uh, Doug Howie's in town this week. And I mean, what, we're doing that not just here, but we're doing it everywhere because the Great Commission is Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the other most parts of the world. That's what we do is grow people up in the Word of God, the knowledge of God's Word. That's why we preach ex- expositorily because the Word of God is what we need. You don't need my thoughts. We need God's thoughts. We need to know what God is saying so that we can walk with Him and we make disciples like that. So John offers help by writing unto us. This letter is personal to those who claim John as a spiritual father. So no matter how old you are in the Lord, no matter how long you've been walking, like I've said, it's important to stop and go, wait a minute, before God, I'm still a a child, right? Remember Solomon, the king? What did he say? I'm just a little child. And God says, I can work with that, right? No matter who you think you are, it's always good to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God as a little child, and he will bless you uh, because then you're still teachable. Once we think that we know too much, we're no longer teachable. So all of us can identify with this passage. So point B, John reveals the biggest obstacle to our walk with the Word. It's very clear. And if you're just joining us, uh, when I mention the Word and it's capitalized, I'm really talking about the the proper pronoun of the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about that in our introduction, how in John 1.1, John 1.14, 1 John 1.1, 1 John 5.7, and Revelation 9.13, all interchange, especially in Revelation chapter 19, it interchanges the word for Jesus Christ or Christ or Jesus as the word, capital W. It's a, it's a proper noun, I should say. And so, um, and, so, and so Jesus Christ, his name, it says in Revelation 19, is the word of God. Why? Well, it's because of what we're talking about. What Jesus says is what Jesus does, Right? You cannot separate him from his word. His word is truth, John chapter 17 says. So 
So Jesus is the Word of God. And John reveals the biggest obstacle to our walk with the Word. Well, it's clearly written right here in the text. It is The biggest obstacle is sin. He says it in verse 1 there. He says, My little children, these things write unto you, that you sin not. And then right after that, he says, And if any man sin, because <laughs> we will, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So John clearly is writing because the biggest obstacle to our walk with the Word is sin. This is because God is light, right? And in Him is no darkness at all. None. So John makes it very clear that his preference is that ye little children sin not, but God is holy, right? And uh, and He cannot have anything to do with sin. But this is not written to lost people. He's writing to Christians, little children. He's saying, hey guys, I prefer that you not sin. There's a reason for that. You have a choice now. Right? When we're lost, we're bound to sin because that's our very nature. But once you get saved, you have a new nature. So now you make a decision. Am I going to walk in the light? Or am I going to walk in darkness? That's our decision to make. He says, listen, I want you to walk in the light. But when you don't, because we all fall, even though we're saved now, we, we choose to follow our flesh, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So God has given us a way right, to deal with, with that sin. Now, if you weren't here last week, well, none of us were here last week because we were at the park. So if you were at the park last week, that's in plank. Go back and listen to the audio we got on our website. Awesome job of Romans chapter 7, of Romans chapter 6, dealing with this very subject of that wolf, right, that lives within us, that, 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 uh, that sinful flesh versus the spirit. And it was a wonderful message. So point C, John reveals the only way to overcome the obstacle of sin is through Jesus Christ, the righteous word of God. And he says here, he says he's our advocate. He's our advocate. Man, we all need an advocate. If you've ever been to the court system, you need an advocate. You call it a lawyer. They always say the person that doesn't have a lawyer has a fool for a client, right? And so, and so you need an advocate. The word advocate commonly used today um, is what we'd also see in Noah Webster in 1828. Advocate is the, the primary sense. Uh, it signifies one who pleads the cause of another in a court or civil law. Hence, one who pleads the, the cause of another before any tribunal or judicial court as uh, a barrister in the English courts. We say a man is a, learned, is a learned lawyer and able to advocate. All right, so what does all that mean to us? What that really means to us is Jesus Christ is our advocate, right? He is interceding for us as if you were to go to a court. And I'm, I'm sure Steve has used this many times in Life Issues. I've used it a lot at City Union Mission and in the jail ministry, I, I like to tell people that uh, we're all guilty, right? And Jesus is our, he's our attorney, he's our advocate, but he's more than that. We'll get to that in a minute. He's also our propitiation. So not only does he represent us before the holy judge, right? He also, uh, once the sentence comes down, and uh, he, he takes the punishment for us, right? He, he, instead of us, he was punished for our sin. That's why we're able to go free. It's all pictured in the Old Testament as the scapegoat. But the great, that's a good definition that Noah Webster gives. And in the Bible, what's interesting about this word advocate, and I didn't know this until I studied this out, it, uh, <clears throat> it is the same word, Greek, and, I, and you guys know I'm not a big Greek guy and Hebrew guy. You don't have, you, God has given us the word of God. You can understand what God wants you to know from the Bible in your hands. But the reality is, this, it is interesting how the King James gang translated this word because in every other mention, it's, it's translated comforter coming from the Greek word uh, parakletos, which uh, is another name for the Spirit of God, the Comforter. In John 14, 16, a familiar passage to many, he says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another Comforter, right, Advocate, that, that he may abide with you forever. And again, that's another, that word Comforter, as it's, as it's defined everywhere else in your New Testament uh, by the King's, King James gang, is, is a capital C, right? Again, it's another proper noun. It's a title for the Holy Ghost. Jesus Christ is the Word, the Holy Ghost, one of the names for him is the Comforter. And so you see that in John 14, 26. Again, the Bible defining itself, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Just like Revelation 19 tells us that Jesus Christ is the Word of God. The Bible defines itself. It's incredible how this book is put together. So the Comforter is the Holy Ghost. Well, what's he going to do? Whom the Father will send in my name, Acts chapter 2, he did that. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. So this advocate is going to help you. He's going to help you remember 
everything that God said. Amen. If you're like me, the older I get, the more help I need knowing what God said. And so I'm dependent upon the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, the Advocate to teach me. In John 16, 7, the Bible says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Again, Acts chapter 2, the indwelling of the Holy Ghost in Acts 2 is when the church uh, uh, was able to receive the, the Comforter, the Holy Ghost. Or as the only other mention you find that word translated in the New Testament is in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1. He is our advocate. He's our advocate. He is our, he's our counselor, isn't he? And so <clears throat> he is Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now that might give you some trouble because if you're asking how is the advocate, uh, the spirit of God, at the same time being Jesus Christ? Well, John's already going to get to that. We'll get to that in a few chapters. In 1 John 5, 7, I'll go ahead and get ahead just so you can settle on this. It says... Uh, John writes, for the, the, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. That's right. We sing a little song over here in the, in the Mighty Warriors. One plus one plus one. It's one. All right. And then uh, everybody laughs. And so but it's kind of a cool song because when it comes to the Godhead, it's true. Those three are one. You can actually see that in how God has put the Word of God together. You can't get around that. God has built it into the Word of God. The Godhead is Father, Son, Holy Ghost. These three are one. And so Jesus Christ, the righteous advocate for us, what is our, I'm sorry, He is our righteous advocate for us while we were st- even though <clears throat> while we were still sinners. And so I'm going to go back up a minute uh, talking about this, is, this text is for Christians, right? But there may be someone here today that is not born again. You don't know Christ as Lord and Savior. So you've got to get this, because this is super important. Jesus Christ is, still, is your advocate right now. Uh, he, he, that's why he came to this world, to die for sinners. The issue isn't identifying who Christ is. It's identifying who we are. Right? The biggest issue, there's, I remember when I was lost, I did struggle with Jesus Christ was real and all that. But it was a lot easier to figure out who Jesus Christ was, that Jesus was God, than it was for me to figure out that I was a sinner. Even though I knew it in my soul, right, I didn't want to acknowledge that. Right? And that's, that's, that's pride. That's what that is. Uh, at the most, it's ignorance, but it's certainly pride. And so, you know what, we've got to deal with that. Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, what did he do? Christ died for us. What did he, he took on our sin, right? He was dealing with that sin obstacle before we were even born. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus knew we had a problem, so he went ahead to fix it. As Jesus was suffering on the cross, he prayed this prayer for the Jews and for all men that would receive it. He said in Luke 23, 34, then said Jesus, excuse me, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots, right? So Jesus is thinking about uh, those that put him on the cross. Well, the, who, who was that that put him on the cross? Well, amen. Good answer, right? It's not somebody else. If we're really going to receive the grace of salvation, we've got to realize it's us. It's our sin. If we want that prayer to apply to us, forgiveness, we've got to realize we're the one that put him there. It was our sin. Now, he was willing to do that. Why? Because the Father loved us. He loved the Father. When Jesus met Paul on the road to Damascus, he asked Paul how long he intended to kick against the pricks of the Holy Ghost. You know, you may not have the indwelling Holy Ghost yet, but you can be a lost person, and the Holy Ghost will convict you of sin. He will prick your heart, is what the Bible says. And and you'll be walking along through life, rolling. I can remember times in my life when I was lost. I'm not going to relive them for you. But just stupid things that had to do with sin, like being, having an upset stomach and vomiting all over myself, uh, dumb things like that, and walking down the road going, even though I'm not a Christian yet, talking to God because I'm pricked in my heart. Like, where's this headed? Where's this life going? Is this what I'm here for? Is there a God? What is that? Well, that's the Holy Ghost saying, Brian, you better wake up. You're making some bad decisions. The Holy Ghost, he'll t- you wrap your car around a telephone pole. You may not be saved yet, but you might go, man, God, 
What's going on? God has a way of letting you know, hey, you need to wake up. You need to receive my grace. You need my solution for sin. Because if you die without dealing with sin, you're going to go to hell. That's what the Bible teaches. But God doesn't want that. He made hell for the devil and his angels. He wants us to have eternity in heaven. That's why he came to this earth before we were even born and provided a way to escape through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So if any man sin, notice what, I love what John said there, if any man sin, right? If any man sin, not just, not just Christians, right? Not, it's, this isn't limited atonement. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So there's no man whose sin is too far for God to, to uh, comfort, to care, and to cleanse. Right? God is able to take care of any sin situation. Though our sins be as scarlet, what's he do? Makes them white as snow. Amen to that. Isn't that beautiful? It's beautiful. And so in 1 John 5, 17, the Bible says, All unrighteousness is sin. We as humans, we like to say, Well, there's this sin, there's this sin, and there's this sin, and there's this sin. But to God, all unrighteousness is sin. And the only standard for righteousness is Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 10, it's stated so. Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God. Do you want to know what right looks like? Look at Jesus. His standard is so high, you'll never reach it unless you have a, have a, a supernatural avenue, which is Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. I remember when I was lost, I, I wanted to reach up and get to God, but I couldn't get there in my own righteousness. Praise God for that. It takes you a while, and once you get saved, it's so clear. It's like, man, Romans 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, right? Not of works, lest any man should boast. But given the opportunity, most men will spend the rest of their life trying to climb some ladder, trying to jump so high, trying to get up to God's righteousness. You can't get there. God doesn't want us to try. He wants us to die. Die to ourselves and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He's amazingly gracious and kind, and that's why he gave his son to die on the cross in our stead. He's our advocate, and it doesn't stop with our advocate. John goes on to teach us that Jesus Christ is the righteousness. He is the propitiation, and man, that sounds like a $50 word. Down there in verse 2, he says, and he is the propitiation for our sins. I don't even know if we should say words like that in Cass County, but uh, we did. Propitiation, that's a big word, man. So so the act of appeasing uh, wrath and, and uh, conciliating the favor of an offended person, the act of making uh, propitious. That sounds like I'm cussing, doesn't it? Uh, in theology, the atonement of atoning sacrifice offered to God to assuage his wrath and render him uh, uh, propitious uh, to sinners. Christ is the propitiation for the sins of men. That's actually what Noah Webster said in 1828, and he's absolutely right. The word is only found twice in the scriptures. The second mention, mention is found in the same, uh, same book in chapter 4 and verse 10 when John says, Herein is, is love, right? So love is tied to propitiation. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Remember Malachi? He opens up in Malachi and says, I have loved you. Past tense. God has loved us. He loved us on the cross, didn't he? It says, herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Oh, wow, what does that mean? Well, we just read about it. He is the atoning sacrifice offered to God to assuage, right, to satisfy the holy, righteous demands of God. These are two words. They're big words, but you really need to really understand. Advocate and propitiation. You have an advocate in Christ, and you have propitiation in Christ. He has assuaged, right? He has met the demands of a holy, righteous God and our sins. So when we talk about that courtroom uh, scenario, I, I kind of, in my mind's eye, I see it like the judgment comes down, and I'm guilty. I am guilty. But you know what? My attorney takes off his suit, and he puts on a yellow jumpsuit, or probably the one with the black stripes, I should say, and then he says, okay, and then he goes to the death sentence for me. And I get to go free. He's our advocate and he is our propitiation. He got jailed wrongfully. He got jailed on the cross and died in my stead. Not because it was right, but because the Father loved us. and He was righteous. So his sacrifice for me, for me, that's my sacrifice for sin. But for those who reject that, well, now you have the blood of the Lord on your hands, just like the Pharisees. 
So this word is only found twice in the scripture. And a simple way of understanding propitiation is to understand that Jesus is, uh, was placed between us and our sin as the only acceptable substitute. Many false religions teach propitiation uh, by sinful man uh, who bears the responsibility of sacrifice. So the idea of penance is similar to that. That, that you know, Jesus died on the cross, but there's something that you have to do. right? It's his sacrifice plus what you add. There's no adding to it. He did all the work on the cross when it comes to salvation. The idea of penance is similar to that. So Bible-believing Christianity is different in that our propitiation is offered by God himself. Right? And so he is, only, he is the only acceptable sacrifice for sin. There is no other way. I know a lot of people think, well, man, that's so narrow. Listen, that is so simple. God wants every man to get saved. He wants it to be so simple you can't miss it, you can't convolute it, you can't cloud it with Buddha, you can't cloud it with humanity, with humanism, humanism, I should say, with all the isms that we could come up with. It's very simple. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. So in Luke 23 and verse 34, when Jesus interceded for the sin of those who crucified him, he interceded for me and he interceded for you. So that is why Paul could say this on Mars Hill. In the times of this ignorance, God winked at but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. So then, if Jesus Christ is not your advocate, and if he is not your propitiation, what does he then become? He sits in that chair, and he is the judge. And when he brings the gavel down, there is no advocate and there is no propitiation because you've chosen to go before the judge on your own merit. And man and woman, child, that is the scariest place in the world to be. You need Jesus Christ as your advocate and your propitiation because that is the only way to escape the judgment of God because his judgment is true and it is holy and it is right. The Lord Jesus Christ has done everything to get in the way of his wrath so we can be called the children of God. Once you are saved, you have an advocate with the Father. You have Jesus Christ as your propitiation, and you have the ability to deal with sin that hinders your walk. So I've kind of gotten out of the theology of salvation, the big theological word is soteriology. I don't even know what that means. But salvation, right, is based in, in the same principles that our walk is in. It's interesting that these great principles that help us understand how we're saved are also great principles that teach us how to walk. Because if you're saved by grace, guess what? You walk by grace and faith, right? Because what happens is a lot of people, want to, Paul had that problem in Galatians, they want to go back to the law to figure out how to be close with God. And he's like, no, 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 that's not how it works. And Paul, we'll get into that in our next, theory, in our next message about what Paul's going to talk about to the children, the young men, and the fathers. But the reality is this, we're saved by grace through faith, and we walk by grace and, and, God, and by faith. Now, the difference is now is we have the Spirit of God in us, that comforter. So John also protects, as point D, his little children from false teaching. Notice what it says here in verse 2. And it says, And he is the propitiation for our sins, not just sin, not just your Adamic nature, but literally the sins, right? You want to start naming them, right? The sins that we've committed since we started the message, the sins that we've committed this morning since we woke up, the, the sins, all unrighteousness is sin. Going 65 and a 55, whatever, you know, all of that, all the sins. Right? He, is the, he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, here it comes, but also for the sins of the whole world. So John is making it clear that though God is sovereign, he is not like Zeus. The theology of the day in the first century was being warped and mixed in Alexandria with Greek philosophy. And it just got on steroids. John saw it coming. John was already addressing it in his epistle before the end of the first century. He says, listen, you've got to understand, he died on the cross to save the world. This seems logical when we simply study Scripture and see that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You can't get around that. God's desire, his intention is for every man to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. But long before Augustine and Calvin, there was Plato and, and uh, Cicero, Greek philo uh, philosophers who informed Origen's theology and later Augustine's theology. And the concept of limited atonement was spawned in the concept of the way the gods of Olympus interacted with man. 
So John blows up the doctrine of limited atonement, the teaching that Jesus only died for the predestined, in just a few short words in 1 John 2, 2. And it is consistent with God's heart for the world and the intent that God had in John 3, 16. And he, Jesus Christ the righteous, is the propitiation for our sins, the sins of Christians and the sins of the whole world. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So though Jesus died for all, all are not saved unless they come to the Father through the Son, believing that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross for their sins. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Jesus by faith in his finished work on the cross shall be saved, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Man, the whole Godhead is involved in your salvation. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Those who resist and refuse the grace of God have a fool for a client because the just God, the, the just God has chosen his Son, Jesus Christ, to be the judge. In Acts 2, the Bible says in verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So every man will give account to Christ. It's just a matter of when. So today is the day to bow our knee and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. But if you say, nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to walk my way. I'm going to, who's that dude? I'm going to do it my way, that Italian fella. Frank Sinatra, thank you. It will come to me, but I knew Ron would be faster. So <laughs> that guy, right? I did it my way. Well, listen, you better not do it your way too much, pal, because God needs us to do it his way. He's given us an opportunity. We need to seize it. If you're here this morning and you haven't received Christ, God is so gracious and kind, but don't toy with him. Don't just keep putting it off. Well, someday, well, someday, well, someday, you know you've been, hey, listen, today is the day of salvation. So God gives us the light of his word so we don't stumble over the obstacles that keep us, keep us bound to sin. I need to get back to Christians here. So Christians, what do we do? I mean, I'm talking, we know that this is settled. It's this, our sins are as far as the east and the west. Well, I'm glad you're asking. Those are good questions. In Psalm 119 and verse 105, the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know what gets us saved? We're saved. We're born again, First Peter, by the word of God. Well, guess what? It's also going to help us walk. Right, the Word of God is what's going to help us walk in the light. You take this book and you shut it up and you don't, you don't read it, you don't listen to it, you don't hear it, guess what? You're going to be walking in darkness pretty quick. This world's a dark place. You're going to look just like it. You're going to be walking there. And so we can't afford that, can we? You know what? Lost people can't afford that, can they? They need us to represent. They need us being who God saved us to be so he can accomplish that which he wants to accomplish. In 1 John 1, 5, he says, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Well, now let's just think about this. If we're as good as last week, we heard it from Stetson. Our sin has already been nailed to the cross. So now we need to walk in the light because we're as good. Our flesh is dead. You think, well, Brian, you're standing here. You just think I'm standing here, right? So my flesh is dead. I'm a dead man walking. The life, as Paul said, the life that I now live, I live by the power of the Son of God. What's propelling us forward this morning is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't want to let our flesh get in the way. So the Word and our walk. Walk in the light of the Word. Why? Because you've got an advocate. But also walk in the love of the Word. Now this is where the rubber meets the road for us, us that are saved. We've got to walk in the, in the love of the Word. In verses 3 through 5 he says, and, and hereby do we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. You can do this thing. Verse 4, he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whosoever keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. And so the assurance of knowing, point A, God, of knowing God is found in his word. Right, that's what he says. We do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. You cannot keep uh, <clears throat> what you don't possess. Right? You can't keep what you don't have. I can't keep a hold of something that I don't possess. By, the, by, this, by this time in history, most of the canon of the Scripture was written except for John's epistles and Revelation, which is also his epistle. So the apostles were, were fading, and John was handing to the church the assurance of their salvation. And it wasn't in the verbal words of the apostles, although those were good. They were, he says, Peter said it. You know what? God's words are more sure than the audible voice of God. God was preserving a canon of scripture so that people could know that they have eternal life. 
is the word of God. It's important that we understand where our assurance is found. It's found in the word of God. The same place we find the assurance of our salvation is the same place we're going to find our assurance of how to walk, right? We're walking in the light of God's word. We're walking in the power of God's word. It's the promises of God's word. Okay, so let's keep uh, thinking about that as we're going on. So you don't know his commandments if you don't have his word. They're written down. When God wanted to give Israel commandments, what did he do? In Sinai, he brought the law and commandments, and he wrote them down so Israel knew how to walk, and then he recorded them. And then, because man can't fulfill them, Jesus Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. The only person that's fulfilled the law is Jesus Christ. That's why our faith is in him. He's the lawgiver, and he's the law keeper. And so our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't know his commandments if you don't have his word. And the word know, by the way, is found 39 times. Either know, knoweth, or known in this book, or knew. And then the last uh, way it's translated is, um, is uh, as perceive. And uh, then that gives you 40 times. So God has given us the, the, the word know in some form or fashion in this book 40 times so we can know God, right? This book is also talks a lot about the love of God. I found 46 mentions of that. So between knowing God and loving God, that's why the whole title of this series is to know God is to love God. You aren't going to know God. I'm not going to know God if I don't know his words because his words are his mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Not just these words, but the mindset, right? He was willing to humble himself. He was willing to fulfill what was written. He was, able, he was willing to walk out what was written of him. Are we willing to walk out what is written of us? Christian, that's our name. Are we willing to walk like Christ? In 1 John five thirteen, the Bible says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Do you know that you have eternal life? If you do, it's because of these things that are written. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. There's been times that after I was saved where I needed that, per, that, that verse right there to assure me of my salvation because I didn't feel saved. Anyone ever wake up and not feel saved? Oh, man. If it was based on emotions, I'd be running to the altar every moment. But you know what? It's the Word of God that gives us the assurance of our salvation. It's not what I'm... It's not what I do, it's what Jesus Christ has said because he is good for his word. That should change my mind, change my heart, change my emotions, and even change the way I walk. And then I'm in fellowship with him. And so you, you will not be assured of God's love if you're not assured of his words. And that's why, the, by the way, the devil wants to take this book out of your life. That's why he wants to water it down, twist it, because I tell you what, if, you aren't, if, if this book is not the priority, I can tell you right now you're, you're walking in darkness. The sun is setting. Now, you cannot separate the love of God from the love of his word. In John 15, 14, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. He said that knowing that we cannot perfectly keep his commandments. But you know what? He's given us an advocate. and He's given us propitiation. So even after we are saved, we can do 1 John 1, 9 and confess our sin and know he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, reset our mind, and get back on the path of righteousness and continue to walk in the light. So point B, submit to God's lie detector test. Because we're the biggest fools, right? You can't kid a kidder, but you know what? We can fool ourselves all day long. And so in 1 John 2 and verses 4 and 5, he says, He that saith, I know him. Right? Oh, I know Jesus. I'm a Christian. Man, if I had a dollar for every time somebody said that. I'm a Christian. I know Jesus. Okay, well, let's see how that works out. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Now, it doesn't say he that saith, I know him, uh, uh, and keepeth not his commandments, is not saved. It says, he that saith, I know him, and keeps not his commandments, is a liar. So if you are saved, and you're not keeping his word, what does that make you? A liar. Right. We're lying to, well, who are we lying to? We're lying to ourselves. More than God, God already knows the truth. But whosoever keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected, completed. Hereby know we that we are in him. If you want assurance, it's going to come by keeping his word. That doesn't mean you know every single, you know, don't get legalistic about this thing. But you, it's, it's, about, it's about understanding that the, our heart's desire 
is to live out what is written in this book for our lives. When we come and we talk about winning people to Christ, man, that should stir our hearts. Whether it's through CMA, whether it's through uh, Church in the Park, whether it's through Faith and Family Day at the K. By the way, we got 20 tickets, $10 a piece. Love you guys to get a part of that. That's good outreach. Um, and so, so whatever it is, what are we doing? We're living out what has been written. We're, we're, we're not lying about, oh, yeah, I love God, but I don't want to win anyone to Christ. Oh, yeah, I love God, but I don't even care about this book. I love God. I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. I don't have to go to church. I'm proud of that. I got to tell everybody on Facebook, I don't go to church, but I'm a Christian. You know what you are? You're a liar. I don't know if you're a Christian or not, based on the way you're walking, because you're walking in darkness. I'm just saying. I get sick of it. I hear it all the time. It makes me want to puke. But you know what? It makes Jesus want to puke. That's called Laodicea. Laodicea, man. That's everyone doing that which is right in his own eyes. Just shut up with it all. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, listen, if you're not walking in the light, you're in darkness. Listen, if you don't love my words, if you don't keep my words, you're a loser. You're losing your inheritance if you're really saved. You're going to lose your joy. You're going to lose what it is that I have for you. You're going to lose out on the glory in heaven. You're going to lose out at the judgment seat of Christ. You're going to lose everything I've, I've purchased for you. Good night. Get on board with God's mind and start walking in the Spirit because then you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. It doesn't say you won't have lust of the flesh. It says you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And God pleads with us. If we know Him and we don't keep His commandments, we're a liar. Well, what's the real problem? Well, the truth is not in us. We're not waking up in the morning and saying, God, speak to me. We're not going through the day saying, God, what does your word say about this? We're not looking at the news through the lens of God's word. We're not putting the word of God first. And when we put this book on the back shelf, when we put this Bible, God's mind, God's will, God's commandments, we just throw it aside. Before you know it, you're walking in darkness, even as a Christian. And you may come to church, you may tell everybody all about your Christian life, but you know in your heart, you're a liar! And all you got to do is make it right. How do you make it right? You put the word first. And I don't mean just putting Bibles together is a great thing. Put the word first there too. But, but man, let's put it in our heart. Let's turn off social media, let's turn off the television, let's turn off the noise. Hey, there's nothing wrong with all things in moderation. I'm not saying get legalistic. I'm talking about prioritization. Prioritizing what God has said. Because if, it's not the, if God's word is not the priority for those who call themselves Christians, then we are missing what it is that Christianity is all about, which is Christ and his word. His name is the word of God. All right, I've got to keep moving. So how many of us would say this morning, I know him. I suspect most of us. So the question is, do we really know him? 1 John 1, 6 says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So John is pointing out that there are some liars in the body of Christ who say they know God, but they don't know God because of the truth. The word of God is not in them. And so this is a particularly bad problem in the church of Laodicea. As I pointed out in Colossians 3.16, the Bible says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You know what? When, you're, when the truth is in you, whether you're a good singer or not, what's going to happen is the word of God's going to, it's going to provide a song in your heart. And you're going to be singing praises to God. You're going to be, you're going to be rejoicing in the truth. You know, statistically... 34% of Americans have never read the Bible. Uh, that's not totally shocking, but how 15% to 16% read their Bible daily. So in America, 15 to 16%. I would hope in this group it's larger, that you would all read your Bible every... I would hope in this, honestly. I would pray that in this group of people here, it'd be 100%. I'm sure it's not, but it, it ought to be. Because reading your Bible daily is just, that's talking with God. If I, didn't, if I went a week without talking to my wife, I think it would get a little tense, wouldn't it? That wouldn't be good. I try to talk to her at least once a day for 15 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> but you can see what I'm saying. If you talk to God, you're just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to read my Bible devotion once every quarter. 
I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to talk with him. I'm not going to commute. Where's your relationship going to be? Not going to be very good, is it? The American Bible Society did a study, and instead of professing, professing Christians, not just Americans, the number of, of daily Bible reading was 13.7. So it was actually lower than the national average. So we got, maybe we got some lost people out there reading their Bibles. Uh, but but uh, 10% say they read it several times a week. 9% say once a month. 42% said they never read their Bibles at all, and they claim to be a Christian. It's almost half. What is that? Listen, if, if we say we know God, and of course there's always, well, what about the guy who's illiterate or the guy? Okay, I'll give grace to that. I'm not talking about someone that's illiterate, but they could listen. The truth is, the bottom line is, we're liars if the truth isn't in us. And we can repent immediately. You know, Amos 8.11 says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, I will send famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor thirst of water, but of hearing the words the words of the Lord. So there's great assurance to those who keep the word of God. So conversely, I've given you the negative. Let me give you the positive. When you do keep the word of God, when you are in the word of God, whosoever keepeth his word in him, verily, right? Like this is truly, indeed, surely, is the love of God perfected, and hereby know we that we're in him. So praise God, there is a blessing to the child of God that keeps his word. I wanted to read Psalm 19, 1 through 8, but I don't have time. But you can go back and read Psalm 119 and and it's, and it's going to tell you in the first stanza, blessed are they that keep his testimonies, right? Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, that seek him with the whole heart. And there's so many blessings of that. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Um, thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Man, there's, there's praise and there's joy there. You can see that in Colossians 3.16 is directly related to our praise back to God. When we keep his word, we're going to be praising him. We're going to be praising the word. So if, if you want a blessing from the Father, man, keep his words. If you want your daddy in heaven to say, good job, son, way to go, son. Hey, just keep his words. Man, make him close to your heart. Make the Bible. That's an easy thing today to do. Is you that'll give you some encouragement to get in the Word. Know that your communion with your Father in heaven, and He's happy with you being in His words. You're like, man, Lord, this is like green beans. I don't quite get this. I'm just reading this, and okay, but the Father's happy. You're trying. He'll lead you and guide you in truth. The Comforter, your Advocate, will help teach you all things whatsoever He said to you. If you want a blessing from the Father, keep His words. Proverbs eight thirty two says, "Now therefore, hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways." Because when we keep his words, we'll keep his ways. Jesus said, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Luke eleven twenty eight. 28. John assures us that we can keep God's word and love, and the love of God is perfected in our lives. And in 1 Corinthians 8, the Bible says, if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. When we love God and we love his word, what happens is people start to see it. It's visible. You are changed. It affects the way you walk. Instead of walking like this because you're burdened with sin, you're walking like this because you're walking in the light. Your head's up, your heart's up, countenance is up. doesn't mean everything's perfect at all. It just means your walk is different. You're walking in the light as he's in the light and having fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses you from all sin. And that assurance that you're under the blood, man, it changes everything about who you are and what you do. The first nine attributes of the Spirit of God in, in Galatians 5, right, is in verse 22, is love, right? When the Spirit of God is prominent in your life, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, right? You know the fruit of the Spirit. The apex of spiritual growth in 2 Peter 1, 5 concludes with charity. It starts with charity, it ends with charity. It's all about love. So we'll not grow in love and be like Christ if we don't keep his word. So our assurance comes from knowing we love like Jesus loves. And in 1 John 2, 5, he says, But hereby, or whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we're in him. So if the truth of God's word is dwelling in us richly, you'll be assured that you know God because you love the things that he loves, like David in the Old Testament. So what, what might that be for you today? If God says, what, what is it that God loves that we need to love? Somebody give me an answer. What should we love that God loves? What? I can't hear somebody saying, mumbling something. Souls of men, that's right. And what's the other one? Yeah, it does boil down to that simple equation. You hear it in Christianity, it's almost like a mantra. 
Word of God, souls of men, brother. But you know what? It really is that simple. Love God's word enough to give it to people, put it in their souls. There's a lot more to it than that, but in essence, that's what it boils down to. If you want to keep the whole law, love God's word and love people, man. Love God's word and love people. And you will figure out how to get these precepts in your life so that they can be into other people's life. Now, we got to, it's getting long. I got to close this up, but let me give you the last point. It'll be. <laughs> All right, so, so, uh, only fools rush in. All right, so, <laughs> I've always wanted to do this. Like, that's, you know, they always curl this thing up and they hold it. I don't know. All right, it is kind of cool to have something in your hands. All right, so, I'm getting off track. Oh, yeah, action. This thing's a little short. Uh, we need to. We need to walk like Christ, right? Because sometimes our actions are so loud, people can't hear what we say. Now, obviously, you're like, yeah, preacher. I'm telling you, right? I know. All the preachers. It's all true. It is. That's why we have First, this first Timothy chapter 3, deacons, preachers, right? We do have to walk the walk if we're going to talk the talk. But you know what? That isn't just for preachers. I mean, I've, I actually I hear a lot more about those people, those people, now I know you don't, and let me tell you, as the world grows glow, grows darker, I let me let you in on something, folks. You're going to catch less and less of a break. I'm not. I'm talking about me. Yeah, I'm going to catch catch less of a break too, but so are you. The world's looking narrowly at the church. It's not like it was 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 100 years ago. Uh, this world don't respect us. And the first time someone. Hey, a baby Christian, you know what Paul says in 1 Corinthians? Baby Christians are carnal. That's just the way it is. You can't expect someone who just got saved to, to be walking in the Spirit all the time. And, and even if they are, they don't know what it all You know, they're growing. They're learning. They're going to be they're carnal. All right? It takes time for God to mature. And that's what discipleship's all about. You know, Jesus had to turn his back on Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, I mean, there's some there's some hard days coming in discipleship for a young Christian. They got to make decisions if they're going to follow Jesus. Are they going to follow Jesus? We got all kinds of grace for that, but the world doesn't have any. As a matter of fact, they're looking for every excuse they can not to follow Jesus. And so you can't worry about what the world thinks. I think the church right now is way too world worried about what the world thinks. If the church would just focus on what does God think, it'll take care of what the world thinks because they're not going to love you either way. I was there once. If I could find an excuse, I would. And so, let me wrap this up. Our actions should match our words. So, point B, that ties us back into the thrust of 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. And I wanted to end where we began because last time we met, we, I gave you a little chart. It was, it was an if-then statement of 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. I'm not going to read all of that for you, but it says in 1 John 1 and verse 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin.
How much sin is that? All. All. You know, it's been it's been a couple weeks since we've been in the if-then statements, but let me just quickly review. I gave you that chart once more just so you could rehearse it again because you've slept since then, so have I. Remember this. This is what John taught in the first chapter. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, oh, guess what? We lie. We're a liar and do not the truth. We're not doing what is written. So reverse that equation, right? If you want to if you want to have fellowship with him and walk in the light, then what we need to do is do the truth and quit lying to ourselves. Right? And then the second thing we saw in, in verse 7, which this is the same verse, is if we walk in the light as he's in the light, then we are going to have fellowship one with another. So if we don't love one another, you know what? Go back to step one. We're not right with God, are we? Because being right with God is what helps us be right with one another. And the and you know what? Well, you say, well, what about those things that can't be taken care of? They won't forgive me. Well, the blood of Jesus Christ. Man, it cleanses my sin, and I'll let God deal with that. All you can deal with is you, right? That's all you can deal with is you. You do what you are supposed to do, and let God spank his own children. You don't need to spank anyone's kids. You know what? Uh, If my kids need a spanking, they're a little old. They probably need one every so often. But you come get me, and I'll do it, right? Uh, 1 John 1, 8. If we say that we have no sin, for those of us that, well, yes, uh, I do walk on water. Okay, stop right there. You're deceiving yourself. Am I a sinner? Have I ever sinned? Oh, no. I was born a Christian. Stop right there. Stop right there. You don't understand what we're talking about. You need to back up. You need to back up. And then First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins. Hey, Christian, man, keep a short account, right? Sins. Not just, yes, I was a sinner. I was born in Adam's image. Yes, that's true. But I'm talking about what did I do today? What did I do yesterday? Bring it to God. Keep a close account with God. Remember that he loves you. You know what? It's his love. It's his goodness. Romans 2 and verse 4. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And then verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, well, we make him a liar. Don't make God a liar. He died on the cross for a reason. And his word is not in us. Don't forget why he died on the cross. We need him. As the old hymn says, every hour, right? Oh, I need thee. Lord, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. So the word, man, you cannot separate the walk from the word. And so walk in the light of the word. The key word is you have an advocate, you have propitiation. Walk in the love of the word. You got the assurance. Walk in the walk like the word. Man, let's put what we've learned to action today. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together. If you'd stand with me in an attitude of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we close this morning, I pray, God, that you'd be glorified. Lord, I pray, God, that we would examine this.